in and have a seat. Mark and Jennifer and Billy are back from India. He's going to be up here in a moment, but uh, uh, he's sort of still kind of vacationing a little bit, right? India was just all vacation. No, just kidding. It was not. Can't wait to hear some of the stories of preaching at midnight. You know, we're in a series, three-week series in the book of Jude. Uh, his name, his real name was Judas. He's a half-brother of Jesus. Uh, in the Hebrew, it would have been Judah. Uh, so that was his name. And, and we first week we talked about his identity. And then, uh, but today we're going to talk about it. I entitled this talk, and you can go on, on your app, and the outline is there, and I hope that you will. Uh, don't try to fake me out. Hey, I'm on the app, and you're talking to people. Because I, I know my fill-in-the-blanks are short, so if you're going real long, I, I know you, it's not my answers you're, you're doing. So, but I know you would not do that. But entitled this one today, Be This, Be This. And, you know, many times we will ask, you know, little children, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, I've asked college students, you know, they're, they're going into their senior year. They're already $90,000 in the ball game, or at least somebody is, mom or dad or, or the government or whoever, but they're $90,000 in. And you go, what, what do you want to do with this degree? I, I don't know. Now, I don't say that to make you feel bad because... I was sort of the same way. I, what I thought I wanted to do, uh, God already knew my freshman year. I just didn't know my freshman, sophomore, junior, first semester, my senior. <laughs> I knew I knew the heart's intent that I wanted to help people minister to people. I just didn't know. But but we asked the question, "What do you want to be?" And many times we think of it as occupational or something like that. But Here's the more important thing, and moms and dads take notes on this. This this is worth admission price today. If you have children, or if you're going to have children, you need to set a vision. You need to have a vision for your kids' character. We spend way too much time on what school we want to get them to and in the education, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something that's higher and greater, and that's their character. And you have to be, you need to understand, and I, and I, I you know, when, I was, when our kids were young, I knew there was four or five qualities that I'm going, we're going to do every single thing we can. That way, when they walk across that stage, you know, graduate from high school and college, that they are walking, and one of them was think, thankfulness. That, that was just one out of, you know, eight or ten that we just always, always, always in different angles, try to pull out them being thankful. And we talk about things and share things at the table of things that we're thankful for. And I want to encourage on that. And so in the book of Jude here, we're going to talk about being. And I want to give you four things that I think are very, very important about being. And the first one is I will be aware. I will be aware. I am convinced that this generation that we're living in is probably uh, very unaware of what's really happening. I mean, first of all, we, we've got artificial news out there all the time. And I'm not trying to be political. My role here is just to take the Word of God, apply the Word of God, and do everything I can under the power of the Holy Spirit to apply what we're living in right now. Is we need to be aware of what is happening the church needs to be prophetic. We have a prophetic book. We, we have a God-inspired book. And so what, one of the things Jude is doing is he started out going, hey, I just want to write to you. I want to talk to you about our common salvation. But the Holy Spirit's going, no, we're not going to go there. That's good. 
And you keep preaching that, Jude, but we're going to go a different angle. And he begins to expose these false teachers, these false people of artificial truth. That was nearly 2,000 years ago. We still, I, artificial truth is rising, is it not? Artificial truth is whatever you want to believe. Here's what we've done uh, is we go, I don't, I don't like this. And most people do not understand, and maybe we need to do a series on this, I don't know, or teach more on this, but most people do not understand that this book is inspired by God. This is, this is not just a bunch of people's opinion that changes from culture to culture. That's what the world believes, and that's what many, many, many of the church people are believing. Going, oh, it changes. No, no, this is inspired. This is not Paul's opinion or Jude's opinion. This is God-breathed, amen? And if you don't believe that, I want to encourage you to, to study what it means to be God-inspired. And so let's pick up at Jude cha uh, chapter 1. There's only one chapter. Verse 14. Remember in 12 and 13, he's been talking about these false teachers. He's, you know, he said they're like wandering stars. Now, back then, you know, one of the ways you, you know, you get on a ship or whatever or a donkey and you needed a, a direction to a village and you, and you know it's north or northwest or whatever, you would use the stars. Now, what would happen if you start going and, and there's the star, just go that direction, now all of a sudden the star starts wandering. <laughs> starts moving. He said, they're like wandering stars. That's what's happening now. I mean, we've seen Christians. I've seen Christians who are walking with the Lord, who believe in the Word of God, and, you know, all of a sudden you go, they're not following God anymore. You go, well, ah, well you know, I don't even believe the Bible anymore. I, I don't believe that Jesus is the only way. David Jeremiah said this. He, 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 he said, we are in the deconstruction. We, we are in the apostasy stage. Churches want to preach a, a, a feel-good message with little truth. We're marginalizing Scripture, and basically what he's saying, and I believe David Jeremiah is totally on, we are in that apostate stage that, that 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 3 talks about. We are there. Now, are we at the apex of it? No. This is why I know you love when I come to speak every once in a while. It's going to get worse. <laughs> if, if I tell you it's going to get better, then I'm lying to you. It's not going to get better. According to Scripture, it's going to get worse. But here's, here's the hope. More and more people are going to give their lives to Christ. I just saw where Calvary Chapel, I mean not Calvary Chapel, it was Harvest Church and Crusade baptized 4,500 people at the ocean a couple weeks ago, Greg Laurie. We're seeing more and more people give their life to Christ, but you're seeing apostasy increase. Well, that's what the Bible says. So verse 14 there says, It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied. Enoch was the very first person recorded in the Bible that prophesied. Now, the very first prophecy was God. Remember, he, he said that there will be one who will bruise the, 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 the serpent. The serpent will bruise the heel of the Savior and all that. That was God prophesying. But this is Enoch. Many people don't think about Enoch prophesying, but he did. Here's what he prophesied. He said, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and 
all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. There's two words there that you probably heard go four times. The word all and ungodly. All and ungodly. This is who we're talking about here. We're talking about the ungodly. They're not, they're not godly people. They're false teachers that have crept into the church. And they show up, as we said a couple last week, they show up at our love feast. Now, Enoch, you'd have to go back to Genesis chapter 5 and Hebrews 11. Enoch was the lion of Seth, not of Cain. Now, I could go an hour on this, and Brandon, maybe tonight we'll go a little bit more time. But here's what I want you to understand. You've got to grasp this. Because there are people who will teach and say, uh, Jude is quoting the book of Enoch. He is not affirming the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch was written somewhere in between the Inner uh, Testament times. It means from somewhere between Malachi and Matthew it was written. It was pseudepigraphy. It's hard to say, isn't it? That means this was a book of legends and stories and history and some inspiration in it, but it was written by someone, but they didn't, but they used Enoch's name. I mean, if you wanted to get something going and, and uh, man, you wanted, you know, it to go big time, you're going to pick somebody's name to say, oh, th they wrote this. That's not, okay, I've got to remind us again. This book is inspired by who? Yeah, God, the Holy Spirit. Why would the Holy Spirit, he's called the Spirit of Truth, quote and try to say, hey, uh, you, you need to read the book of Enoch. And I've got the book of Enoch in my library, I think, or used to have. And, and, uh, and, but it's not inspired. The Old Testament writers didn't inspire it. It didn't make it in, in the canon. The New Testament didn't, didn't make it there. doesn't mean everything in there is not true. But here's what we got to get. Here's, here's the thing we got to get out of this. I don't want to go into history all that. But Enoch, he somehow prophesied that, behold, the Lord comes, 10,000 of his holy ones. He was able to prophesy this. This was the coming of, of the Savior. This was the coming back of Jesus. This is what this was. Did Enoch understand all that? I don't think he did. But he's prophesying. Matter of fact, Enoch uh, had a son. His name is Methuselah. He lived, uh, I think, 969 years. But here's, here's what his son's name means. When he dies, it shall come. Now, how would you like to name your child that? When he dies, it shall come. What he is prophesying about, even through naming his son Methuselah, he was prophesying about the judgment, the, the, the water flood judgment, but also, too, you hear it here, he was prophesying thousands of years ahead of time and orally, guess what? People knew that. So everything in here that Jews reminding them of, they heard it. Mark just got back from India, and you know, you got those villages, and you can tell a story, and they'll tell the story, and they'll tell the story, and you go, wow. And you can go back a year later and go out in some village, and they'll tell the story that Mark shared. Go, How'd you hear that? Well, this guy from U.S., from Philadelphia, came, and he shared the story. You remember that? Yeah, 10 other people told me this. And so he's bringing this up going, because people would have known. And it said he prophesied. And, and you go to, to uh, Hebrews 11, and we know, even from Genesis, that he disappeared. He didn't die. He was raptured. And they were looking for him. 
And over in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it's in the first part there, I can't remember exactly what verse, maybe four, five, or six, somewhere in there, is that he says that, uh, that he was taken away. Guess what? There's going to be a day where us in this room that are born-again Christians, we're going to be raptured, we're going to be disappearing, and people are going to be looking for you. They're going to be husbands looking for their wives, wives looking for their husbands, parents looking for their kids. I mean, on and on and on. Why? Because of the rapture. This is already, this is a picture of what was to come, but it was also a picture of judgment. It was a picture of the final. Catch this. It was, they, it was the final judgment that he's pointing to. Now, if you were here two weeks ago or last week, we talked about some judgments that God's already done, and we said God is slow to judge. He's not quick to anger. If he was, we're all in trouble. But he's slow, slow, slow to judge. He's high, high, high in grace and mercy. But we see this in in verse 14 that there is a final judgment. I I don't like preaching on judgment. I'd rather preach on something warm and fuzzy and good and all that. But we've got to understand judgment is coming. There's going to be a final judgment that will be coming. Look what it says in 1 Thessalonians 3.13. I'm already going way too slow. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. If you're born again, you're, you're a saint. You may not look like one, may not talk like one all the time, but you are a saint. And he says, I'm going to establish you as blameless and holy. There's going to be something happen in a twinkle of an eye. We're going to be changed. How many of you have ever had this thought? Maybe I'm the only one. But sometimes I look at Christians and go, man, some of, the, some of the Christians I see are so mean. And I'm thinking, Lord, there's got to be a lot of change in our heaven. It ain't going to be too good. But you know what this verse reminds us of? We're changing here on earth, but there's going to be in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to change to this blameless stage, to this holiness stage. We, we will not have this flesh that continues to Look what it says in the next verse there. It says, but by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for what? Fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. There will be a judgment. This earth as we see it will eventually, will, will totally be gone and a new heaven and a new earth. God just wants to get rid of everything every sinful particle that's affected this earth. Now, I look at it and go, wow, what a, you know, what, what a, in the natural, I go, what a waste. That's not any big deal to God. I mean, how many of you guys throw out bad food every week, you know? And we call bad food as uh, leftover sometimes. But God's looking at this going, you know what, this is just a little speck. I can change it in the twinkling of an eye. Look what it says in Romans 14.10. Romans 14.10. It says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brothers? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Now, I want to read to you Revelations chapter 20. I mean, chapter, yeah, 11 through 15. If you got your Bible, it's the next book over from Jude. And it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, 
From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were with, were uh, in him. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. The, then death and Hades were thrown in what? The lake of fire. This is the second death in the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the fire. Now, Jesus spoke on hell and destruction and judgment more than anyone in the Bible. Jesus did. He talked more about that than he did heaven. Now, I know we don't like that. But listen, you should not be nervous. If you're, if you're a born-again Christian, you should not be nervous at all because your sins have already been judged. You will not be judged for your sins. Your sins were judged on the cross. Amen? Are you sure? Some of you Amen. No, they were judged. Now, if, you're not, if you don't give your life to Christ, then you're going to go through the judgment. And you don't, you don't have an option when you get there going, I'll change my mind now. No, it's too late. You, you decide now whether you're going to trust Christ to to forgive you and cleanse you and wipe away all your sins. But what we will have is we'll have a beam of seat. We will be a judge. We will be judged according to what we did with our time, talent, and treasure. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's see, I'm going to see how, see how honest we are at 9, whatever, 940, whatever it is. How many of you that are Christians, you get a little bit even nervous of the beam of seat judgment of your time, talent, and treasures? Raise your hand. Only a handful of you. Well, that's good. You're better than me. Because <laughs> there's times where I just go, wow. God, I, and, and I don't want to live in condemnation or guilt or shame, but I'm like, whoa. Then you want to go, uh, Jesus, do you have the catch-up plan, you know? Because I, I kind of blew a few months and years or weeks or whatever. But God looks at the totality of our race, and so he is saying here. And so the... Here's what I want you to be, understand. I will be aware. I will be aware. So if you walk out of your day going, well, I, I, I didn't know we were going to be judged. I didn't know there was going to be a final judgment. Yes, you do. And that should change the way you live. It should change the way you see other people. I've read enough about this judgment about hell that I don't want anybody. The worst of the worst of the worst, I don't want to go there. But guys, listen. We live in a world now that we go, uh, I, I, I believe in the universal church in the sense that uh, universalism of, you know, we're all going to get to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches those guys. I, I wish that was true. I do. I wish it was true. But the Bible teaches that nowhere, and the early church taught that nowhere. So I will be aware. It means I will have perceiving what's happening. Second thing is I will be strong. I will be strong. Now, I like that, don't you? Aren't, you? aren't you glad we're off the judgment deal? Whew. Man, I'm sure glad he didn't go six weeks in Jude. I will be strong. Look what it says in verse uh, 20. You know what? I didn't finish reading the rest. Getting ahead of myself. Let me go ahead, Bonnie, back up. We're going to do verse... Uh, uh, 16, because I stopped at 15, didn't I? Uh, we'll pick up at 16. 
These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. It says, but you must remember, beloved, I like that. He's, get, he's changing gears. He's, he's getting off of those liars of truth, those stars that are getting off course that are teaching us wrong things. And he's saying here, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit here. You know, I had to bring this out every once in a while. I got, I got to bring it out like twice a year just to meet my quota. And, uh, you know, the Bible makes it very clear that we're all born with a body. You know, they come in different sizes. We're, we're born with a soul. That means a mind, will, and emotions. We're all born with that. We're born with a spirit. The, the Bible calls this a candle. The book of the writer of Proverbs, a candle. But it's unlit. When you give your life to Christ, when Jesus said you must be born again, you must be born of water and spirit, you become born again. And now what happens is you receive the Holy Spirit. What he is saying here, these guys, these scoffers, these people causing the vision, these false teachers, they're devoid. They're, they're lost. They're, they're trying to change the truth. They, they don't know God. They're spiritually dead. And this is who's teaching and discipling our young people in America more than even the churches. I hate to say that. So I pray you're not devoid of the Spirit. I can tell you this. I'm not devoid of the Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit in me. This is how the Spirit of God can divinely share truth with us. So now, Bonnie, we'll go back to, we'll go to verse 20. I'll do better, Mark, in the second service. Okay, I won't miss that. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up, building yourselves up. I, I wish I could just spit a couple hours there, building ourselves up. We live in a world that is putting us down, tearing us apart. Matter of fact, if you want to make a living, become a comic writer that just puts people down. And then put a laugh track on it when half the time you go, that wasn't even funny. Why do you want to put a laugh track? <laughs> you know, it's gone. Next time you hear someone say a halfway joke that's not even funny and you hear that, you got to go, oh. So he says we need to build yourselves up. He's saying it starts with you. You, what did you do today? What did you do yesterday? What do you do daily? What do you do on a regular basis to build yourself up? I'm not talking about for your career. There's nothing wrong with that either. You know, you read books and stuff like that. But I'm talking about building yourself up to where you are strong. And it says in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Being strong. Lou Holtz made this comment. He was a football coach. Many times he'd take, he'd take over a team that was average or below average, and he'd flip it fast. It's amazing. The guy could flip teams fast. Here's what he said. He said, ability is what you're capable, capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do. Attitude determines how well you do it. Attitude. Do you know that faith is an attitude? It is. 
You break down the word faith. Faith is a disposition. It's how you think about something. It's, it comes from truth here. And so people with great faith, their attitude is different. They think different. We can all go through the same storm. You know, everybody went through COVID, right? Nobody was exempt unless you were just born in the last year and you're not in this room. So we're, we all went through it. But some handled it well. Some didn't handle it too well. We've got more mental illnesses because of that. And mental illness is going to get worse if we don't, get, if we don't learn to build ourselves up. Christian after Christian are falling into discouragement and, and depression and everything else. And I know sometimes depression can be, you know, hormonal, uh, chemical and all that. But much of it is just faulty thinking, faulty thinking. You know what? We're to build ourselves up in our thinking. I've got friends that over the years, I can tell you story after story, they were doing unbelievable, great, great people. And all of a sudden, something just flipped. The stress of the world, the stress of the world, the stress of the world eventually changed not only the shape, the neuroplasticity plasticity of the brain, but even the chemical dopamines and all the other things in the brain. So all of a sudden, no, you go, what happened to them? They, they just flipped out. If we don't build ourselves up, guess what? You could flip out. Don't think you're, no, not me, not me. No, you could. You can't be watching and listening and reading social media three, four, five, six hours a day and think it ain't going to affect your attitude. It will, unless it's all Christian. Why are so many of our young people, they're confused? And we said, build yourself up. Be strong. And he gives the answer to how to do it here. He says, in your most holy faith. Remember, we're talking about the faith, not your faith. He said, we're, we're to contend for the faith. This is the faith right here. Our faith comes from this book and no other book. We don't need another book. This is final inspiration of the gospel story. He said that earlier in, in, in his writing there. So I take this and I put it in my brain, but I'm in part. Listen to what it says in the second part. It says, most holy faith and praying in the Spirit. Praying. The Spirit is in us. When your body's weak, guess what? He doesn't get weak. The Holy Spirit doesn't get tired. He doesn't get, ex he doesn't get exhausted. He's strong. He's mighty. He's the Spirit of truth. He will empower you. He will direct you. I was talking to a guy this past week. He said one of the things that has totally changed my life. He said, he said, John, when you presented this for the first time I ever heard you share this, I don't know how many years ago, because I made a comment. I said, when you try to hear God, you don't hear directly from heaven. You hear from here. You have an internet in your system here that God speaks from the throne, but it speaks to the spirit there, and he speaks to your body sometimes. Sometimes he speaks to your mind, your will, your emotions, whatever. He can do it however he wants to, but it comes from within. This is why so many of you struggle with reading the Bible. It's because you're trying to do it on your own. You're just trying to read the story and story and know what. No, you need to depend upon the Holy Spirit. And he says, if you want to be strong and get, create new neural pathways empowered by Holy Spirit. Amen? 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 But you got to do it. I can't do it for you. 
Charles Swindoll, and I've used this illustration a couple times. It's been a while. In his book, I think it was, uh, uh, oh, Grace. can't remember. Grace Awakening, I believe it was, something like that. But he, he used a story of Thomas Jefferson. He was on horseback, and he had some of his military guys that was riding with him. And, and uh, there was a, a rain came, and it was just flooding. It flooded out the bridge. And so there was this guy that needed to get across. And so Jefferson, the president at the time, said, okay, we're just going to stay on your horse. We're going to cross. And, and there were several people that got on the back that needed to cross. But there was one guy, he, he waited a while. He got to the, they got to the other side. And one of the men that was underneath Jefferson said, uh, can I ask you a question? The guy go, yeah, why did you get on the pre- back of the president's horse with him? He goes, that's the president? He didn't know it was the president. I mean, think about it. You don't have all the stuff we have nowadays. And so he goes, no, I didn't, I didn't know he was a president. But he said this, he goes, well, I was looking around, I was looking at the river, I was looking at how turbulent it was, and I know I needed to get across, the bridge is out, and, and some of these guys, you know, I looked at their face, and, and I'm thinking, they don't, they're not real confident, they kind of got a no face, like, I don't think we're going to get across. He said, but I looked at that guy, he had a yes face, that we're going to get across. See, listen, when we're strong and storms come, we have yes faces. I'm not going to, I'm going to love the no-faced people and all that. They go, no, 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 we're not going to do it. We can't do it. This is too big. This is too hard, too difficult. I'm going to love them, but I'm not going to join in with their attitude. I'm not, I'm not, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, means by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the truth here, I'm not going to join. Now, I may flirt with it for a few seconds, maybe a few moments, maybe an hour. I don't know, but I'm not going to sign up. So I will be strong. Amen? Let me hear you say it. One, two, three. I will be strong. Again, I will be strong. How? You got to get truth in, empowered by him. Let's look at the next thing. I will be centered. It means I will be balanced. I will be anchored in hope. I will be in control. You ever seen a tightrope person, you know, they, they got the long pole that Helps them stay balanced, stay centered. I mean, think about this. How would you like to walk on a rope? It's like this. I mean, sometimes I almost trip going down the stairs over there. You know? Now, it is dark, right? I mean, it's dark. It's just, uh, you know, but, but we're talking about tight roping, you know. But we live, sometimes it feels like we're tight roping through life. Does it not? Huh? Well, you guys got a great life. <clears throat> Everything's good. That's, that's awesome. That's what it says in verses 21 through 23. It says, keep yourself in the love of God. How do you, what's he mean by that? We're always in the love of God. Here's what he's saying. Keep yourself in the fellowship of this love. And it comes from here. The Spirit comes in. He's the Spirit of the Father. He's the Spirit of Christ. All in one. Remember, the three in one God. There's nothing you can do more to enter, I mean, to get more love. And there's not anything you can do for him not to love you. He, he's going to love you because that's who he is. But we need to walk in this umbrella, this, this fellowship of love. And he says, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And it says, and have mercy on those who doubt. That means when I'm walking in truth, I'm going to have mercy for those who are struggling. And there are people struggling all around us, is there not? There are people this morning that are struggling. And I pray that Maybe you can help encourage them. This is what we do from the pulpit, but this is at a distance. 
Then it says here, and having mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. He's not talking about, okay, they're going to go to hell, now you snatch them out. (laughs) That's not what he's talking about. You can't do that. Once they're there, they're there. Go read Luke chapter 16. It's, it's fixed. It's not there. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about those who are in the fire, uh, who, who've listened to these false teachers, uh, who are listening to what the world is saying happening. Uh, there's many ways to salvation and all that. He, he's saying, no, 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 snatch them. Have mercy on them. Go snatch them out. That means be particular. One of the things you've got to do, and, and one of the CG questions is, ask the Holy Spirit right here. Ask him, show me. Is there someone right now that used to come to church, but I haven't seen them in a long time? I need to be used to go snatch them out, grab them out of their struggles. And it says to others, show mercy with fear, hating uh, even the garment stained by the flesh. This is what he's saying. He's talking about a garment of defilement. He's not saying hate the person. I see too many pastors and Christians, you know, with their bullhorns and everything else, and I'm not against bullhorn preaching on the corner. I'm not against any of that. But what I am against, because the scripture's against coming across hateful, hating, hating. No, we need to do it in love. Amen. Tell them the truth. Tell them there's a judgment coming, but there's a judge that's already died for us. That's the grace and mercy part. It says, have compassion for them. You, you two said this in one of their songs. I want to run. I want to hide. Uh, I want to tear down the walls inside. There are people that you're going to bump into all this week. That's, that's what they're feeling right there. Holy Spirit can give you discernment. You know what? This person, is, I, I feel a pain. I feel their pain. I, I feel their hurt. Holy Spirit, help me. How can I show mercy? How can I share truth? I can't remember who said this comment, but I, I love it. I wrote this down said, true love, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> true love would never leave someone trapped in bad behavior, bad thought. Go with grace, love, and mercy. If they're not prepared and they don't want to receive it, don't be mad. Just but stay consistent, be, be compassionate. The last truth. Well, let's see this. I will be centered. One, two, three. I will be centered. I will be centered. How are you going to be centered? You got to put truth. You got to put truth empowered by the Holy Spirit. Are we kind of getting this? You know, really, that's the bottom line of Christianity. Put truth in, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Put truth in, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I got 29 seconds to wrap this thing up. Last one is this, and you know I'm not. I will be expectant. I will be expectant. I will be expected. This is what it says, verses 24 and 25. This is what we call the doxology. Now to him who is able. And if you've got your Bible with you, circle the word able because the focus is upon him who is able. I'm not able. We teach you in the foundations class, in the prayer, you know, we have to confess. In and of, my, in and of myself, I can't do this. God never expected you to do this on your own. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. He, he is able. Amen? He is able. I wish I could sing that song. I know you're saying it, but don't try. Uh, now to him who is able to keep you from what? Stumbling. He's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. You know what this is? is? This is the spirit of God in you. He is able to do what he needs to do through you. But it's also a picture of Jesus 
because of what he was able to do and because of what he did by defeating the death in your sin. Get this. This is, ah, oh, this is so good. This is going to want to make a single song in a moment. Jesus is able to take you, the bride, his bride, and present you to dad as blameless and holy. Guys, you can't make that up. <laughs> right? You can't. Who would? You can't. That's why it's the good news. He is able. Jesus is able to go, you know what? I, 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 I'm better. I, I, I look more like Jesus than I did 40 years ago, but I still got a long ways to go. But in the twinkle of an eye, Jesus can present me to the Father and go, wow, Dad, because of what I did and because John trusted in you, gave his life to you, blameless. Yeah! Come on! Been listening to Dan Bowler too much. He says, to the only God, our Savior, through Christ, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let me give you glory. Glory just means his, his uh, shining forth of his attributes. It's the shining forth of his attributes in, in brilliance. You remember, uh, you go read, the, read Isaiah when, I think it's Isaiah 5, uh, where he, he said he saw the Lord. And he saw his train filling the temple. And then he goes, woe is me. Because why? He saw the brilliancy of God. He, said, he saw the majesty, the glory. And the second thing is the word majesty. That just means his royal kingship. He's royal king. And then it says, but dominion. Dominion means his infinite, omnipotent control. He's in control. Amen? He's in control of the final judgment, the judgment beforehand. He's in control of your storm, and he will lead you and he guide you. He will do that. Then it says authority. That just means he has the right to rule. He has the right to rule. That's why, you know what, I, I, I want to see the world change. I want to see our nation change. But I'm not going to get too upset with about half this stuff because God's in control. I'm not going to fret over it. I won't see a lot of it change. I don't like what we're doing to our young people. We've got them so confused, it's ridiculous. They don't know whether they're a guy or a girl or, or this and that. And I know, I know that ain't popular, but I don't care. Because I'm driven by love. I'm driven by love. And these people can say they're driven by love too. That's a lie. They're driven by something else. But I will be expected. You know what are you saying? Jesus is coming. Jesus, do you know the rapture could happen today? You guys come on, uh, you praise scene. The rapture could happen today. There's nothing holding back the rapture. The rapture comes like a thief in the night, but the second coming, it ain't going to be a thief in the night. You, you can tell, you can name the, once it gets started in the tribulation, you can count the when it's going to end. It's three, it's seven years. And we know when the, I'm, I'm getting too much into end times theology here, but I will be expectant. I want to ask you a question. Do you have an expectant heart? Do you go, you know, I look forward. And there's a, there's a righteous gift reward that will be given to those who look, long to see Jesus, long to see him. We just uh, had our ninth grandchild this week, Thursday. And real miracle, miracle baby. And uh, I didn't bring any pictures. Well, no, I got pictures on my phone. But... You know, born in the Middle East. And, uh, but just the praying for this child, praying for this child, praying for this child. And 
knowing that the doctors said years ago that they'd never have a child, never have a child, never have a child. Three kids later, and I don't think they're finished. They spent a lot of money trying to adopt, and God keeps going, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do this expectancy, expectancy. We couldn't wait. We, Teresa and I couldn't hardly sleep Wednesday night because we knew she was going into labor at midnight their time. Expectancy. Then when we got that text and saw that picture of River, that's her name, River. <laughs> my, step, my stepdad calls her a little creek. <laughs> I won't even go into the reason why, okay? <clears throat> but expectancy. God is good. He hadn't forgot us. He's coming back. Amen? And I will be expected. If you're expected, let's stand on our feet. Let's worship the Lord.